Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is July 13th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, doing pretty good. Dare I say great. It's my favorite day of the week, Thursday. Uh, someone asked me today why it is, and I was just like, it just is. It's just my favorite. I just enjoy it. I just love it. The vibes are just usually more immaculate on a Thursday than any other day. Uh, I, I could I could spill more on it, but I, I won't waste your time. Uh, let's see here. Sadly, no interesting foods. I, I've I've been getting into some yogurt. Uh, that's a thing, I guess. Uh, it's hard though because yogurt's one of those foods that I do enjoy, but it's also a food that I find kind of weirdly hard to fit into my everyday eating. I just don't like eating goopy food, and and that's just mass goop. Um, That being said, I had a little peach yogurt uh, for breakfast today, and you could really, like, taste the peaches, which is nice, but then it kind of makes me go, like, do I just not like peaches as much as I think? And it's like, no, I like a peach. If I was just eating a peach by itself, that'd be fine. But having this like weird silky taste in my mouth that is, you know, supposed to be a peach, it's peach flavoring or whatever, and then peach bits, it's just weird. It's just a little weird. Whereas I, for some reason though, love strawberry and and blueberry. Like those are just so much better to me in a yogurt thing. But the pack has peach and strawberry. So that's what we're working with. Um, let's see here. There's really nothing else to really report. <laughs> I won't bore you with any more uh, uh, daily life stuff for today, at least. Uh, Let me go ahead and do my little startup. There you go. Ooh-wee. got the tall boys today that was another good thing about today was i uh re-equipped the house resupplied by better word there all right we're good to go uh, from the associated press iowa republicans pass bill banning most abortions after about six weeks governor to sign on friday so this was some bad news that fell down the pipe this week. Iowa's Republican-led legislature passed a bill banning most abortions after roughly six weeks of pregnancy during a marathon special session Tuesday that continued in, late into the night. Governor Kim Reynolds immediately said in a statement she would sign the bill on Friday. Uh, the bill passed exclusively Republican support in a rare one-day legislative burst lasting more than 14 hours over the vocal and sometimes tense objections from Democratic lawmakers and abortion activists, activist, advocates sorry, protesting at the Capitol. Uh, just after 11 p.m., lingering protesters in the gallery booed and yelled shame to the state senators in the minutes after the bill was approved. Uh, so yeah, boo, fucking tomato, 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 fuck this shit, fuck Kim Reynolds, sorry, sorry about it, not really, fuck you, it's lame. Um, the initial abortion law that was in place had it so that you had 20 weeks 
up until 20 weeks of pregnancy. Uh, that'll immediately take the new bill will immediately take effect uh, come Friday, uh, given Riddle's signature. So it's very unfortunate. Six weeks is more or less an effective ban. You are essentially saying that if it's in an embryonic state and it doesn't have a heartbeat, then you can have this abortion. But you literally will not know you are pregnant till around 9 to 12 weeks. So it is a good luck situation uh, for the citizens of Iowa, for the women of Iowa. Um, it's very unfortunate. Granted, the ACLU of Iowa, Planned Parenthood, and the Emma Goldman Clinic remain uh, committed to protecting the reproductive rights. Sorry, here I gotta scroll down. Of Iowans to control their bodies and lives, their health and their safety, including filing a lawsuit to block this reckless, cruel law. Um, uh, and, and I'm sorry to say, like I haven't covered. Um, as much abortion coverage maybe as I should have, you know, there's always a lot of things going on and sometimes, you know, things just, you know, once again, slip through my fingers, they fall through the cracks. Uh, there have been, you know, some blockage to some and then, you know, overturning, things like that. And that's another reason why I'm sometimes hesitant to cover the blow, the blow by blow on some of these because it gets my hopes up that like, okay, there was like a blocking or a stoppage. And but then it gets overturned, and then you know next thing you know that 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 draconian ass law on abortion gets put into place in this state or whatever. So hopefully you know there. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to be optimistic. I've said it before. I've said it again. I know I'm a broken record, so I try to limit the talk. Uh, you know my rants, <laughs> but uh, it, it's a very frustrating situation uh, to see more and more country or more and more states in this country you know, enact this, this draconian ass law. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, yes, there are people who are obviously protesting and there were pro-abortion, pro-choice, but obviously there are people there who are advocating that this is a good thing and that this is what they wanted. And they, they were happy that their lawmakers were passing this. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very frustrating state of affairs because I, I just feel as a human being, every individual should have their choice. They should have their autonomy on their body. And I think it's very weird that we get to insert ourselves into women because there's a baby involved, a potential baby, uh, an amalgamation of cells are getting together because people had sex and we're saying that we have control over what you do or don't do with that because of whatever we say. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's always going to be weird to me. Um, but I wanted to at least, you know, talk about the situation in Iowa a little bit. All right. Yeah, we did that. Uh, let's go ahead and move along. I'm going to say this is good news. Going to call this a dub. This is, you know, we love to see it. Uh, from the Associated Press. First over-the-counter birth control pill gets FDA approval. Uh, this is Opil. Uh, federal regulators on Thursday approved the nation's first over-the-counter birth control pill in a landmark decision that will soon allow American women and girls to obtain contraception, contraceptive medication as easily as they buy aspirin and eye drops. We fucking love to see it. Let's go. A little round of applause here. Uh, I believe this it's an Ireland company called Perigo. 
if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the um, FDA cleared a once-a-day O-pill uh, to be sold without a prescription, making it the first such med- medication to be moved out from behind the pharmacy counter. The manufacturer, Ireland-based Perigo, won't start shipping the pill until early next year, and there will be no age restrictions on the sales. Now, I think I, in a way, I kind of got a little old, like too excited about this shit, because uh, we've covered the methapristone um, situation, uh, essentially a drug that has been got a burp coming somewhere. There it is, classic me. Um, it was a drug that was more or less being used for abortions uh, that you can more or less take it home. And it was something that was kind of potentially used in a lot of these, you know, abortion contested states. And it was a, it's been a big thing that's being fought over. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, woo. But it's like, whoa, slay roll, kid. Like at the end of the day, this is this is contraception, and methapistone is a whole other issue. Um, that being said, I, I'm not sure if I've covered this before, but I know it's something I've definitely like ranted about with my fucking friends. Um, but in the state that I live in, in Ohio, there, I believe she's out of Lebanon, but I think she's like a state representative. She has brought up the conversation of being like, yo, we need to get rid of contraception. That is also the next frontier that we need to fight about. And that is something that, um, Supreme Court Justice Clarence fucking Thomas, once again, more fucking tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like this motherfucker is like screaming from the mountaintops, like alone. Like he's like, look, we need to make sure that we stop the gays. We need to stop contraception. Like this shit's fucked up. <laughs> like it's wild. I don't understand it. I, I, I kind of do understand it. But at the end of the day, it's frustrating as hell that there are people out there that do want to stop contraception. They want you to be forced to either be abstinent as fuck or if you want to have you want to have sex, then you're probably gonna have a fucking kid, and you're gonna be stuck with it. Like that that is the the end run that they want, uh, and that's weird. That, that is the conservative agenda in 2023, but that's that is where we're at. <laughs> um, that being said, I'm happy to see this um, this opil. Uh, we don't know how much it's gonna cost. I I believe currently. Over or currently, prescription birth control is around fifteen to thirty dollars um, without insurance. Which I was like, okay, that's not bad. That's pretty good. But that being said, like having to get the prescription is a hurdle. And as a man, I had to sit my fucking ass down and listen to some podcasts. And um, they, I believe, they reference it in this article as well. But there's a woman who she came from a background there was like yo you can't have sex you know until marriage and she's like i want to have fucking sex and she thought like hey i'm gonna go to college and have like a liberating experience and literally she had to go to a doctor that wouldn't approve it and she had to like go through a bunch of hurdles and use like other contraception until she was able to find birth control and that's frustrating like you shouldn't have to go through that as a woman you know what i mean like as a human being you should just be allowed to do the things you want to do and uh, you can understand, like, okay, well, you're under someone's house and their rules and supervision. I mean, honestly, fuck that shit in a way. Like, at the end of the day, like, we're talking, like, the liberation of a human being. I don't know. Whatever. I am glad that something like this, Opil, is going to give someone the opportunity to, like, 
have that experience that 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 woman was deprived of. You know what I mean? Uh, I I think that's important that we all have um, a chance at autonomy, a chance at control over our lives. I think that's a a very human thing. And God damn it, we live in America. Like we should we should have that right. You know, we should have that right. <laughs> um, all right, I think I've danced around on this one enough. Uh, is there anything else I want to cover? Nah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We'll call that news. <laughs> call that commentary. <laughs> um, now this is a, a story that was from last week that I missed. Mia culpa. But that being said, uh, the battle rages on, so I'm happy to talk about it. From NBC News, California hotel workers on strike demand higher wages and a chance to live closer to work. Uh, this story just really grabbed me, and I mean, it's really the theme for the rest of this episode. And we're talking about fucking strikes again. We're talking about the fucking unions, because you know that shit is, is, is important. It's important not just to me. I feel like it's an important thing for America, and it's important for the world. Like, if you work, you should be, like, entitled to proper pay and, and proper compensation. Like, it should be safe. It should be, like easy to get to like i don't know these things should just be a normal thing and unions are the the gateway the bridge the highway for that shit to happen um it's just, i i just i'm so enamored by unions and and i i don't know i i just love talking about this shit and i'm glad to see change of course obviously it sucks that people are being you know so slighted and disadvantaged but like unions once again give you the the platform to like air grievances out and hopefully get positive change for it you know what i mean all right let's get into this let's get into this story a second wave of hotel strikes is hitting southern california this week hotel workers and labor organizers have been striking and demanding higher wages and other benefits as they argue their existing salaries are unsustainable amid the region's high cost of living and rent making commutes and buying basic goods unsustainable uh throughout the article they go through a lot of hotel workers' story. I believe they focus more or less on three people. Um, essentially just saying, like, hey, like, these are people who have been in the industry for a very long time. And they are here for a, a reason. You know, essentially, you know, for some people, it's like, look, I'm making a commute where I'm literally starting my day at 5 a.m. And I don't get home till 7 p.m. You know what I mean? I'm working and traveling all day. I have family. I don't get to see them. You know, there's other stories where people are like, look, I've not participated in strikes. I've been like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm compensated. I'm not going to get involved here. But like I'm seeing everything around me more or less fall apart financially because, you know, inflation is on the rise. The price of living is on the rise. Also, something I don't think about it is stressed in this article is that there's like Olympic shit coming up in the in the future years. Like it's it's coming up soon, and in that situation, everything's gonna go up. Um, or let me, yeah, it is the 2026 Soccer World Cup and the 2028 Summer Olympics, and the fact that they are taking place in California, it, you know, more or less, I believe, like L.A. area, whatever L.A., like that's big. Like the idea that you're going to have to be working your ass off in the future. For, for money that is literally not enough to sustain you. Like, that is a problem. And not to mention the commute factor. The fact that you cannot afford the rent 
in the same area where you work. Like for me, um, you know, get a little anecdotal or whatever. Um, my commute to work is very attached to why I stay where I stay. Like it is a like 15 minute drive. Like that's so important to me, especially when you have to deal with like winter like conditions and shit, you know, like, Hey, I need to know that I can get to my job very easily. Rain, snow, sleet, whatever. That's very important. I don't want to go to a place where, yeah, I might be able to make way more money, but, like, I have to drive an hour out. You know what I mean? And, and for this situation, for some of these people, the transportation, it takes that kind of time, even more. Like, that's a relative thing. And the fact that you literally can't live in these 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 cities, these towns, because of, pri- like, when I heard the price, the, the monthly price of living is at $32,000 or $3,200, I'm sorry, that was crazy. I'm like, yo, that would body me. I would be in a van. We've talked about that before. <laughs> you know, so yeah, like you can sometimes hear some people's salaries when it comes to like people out in LA and you go, wow, they're making so much more money than me. At least if you're from the perspective of someone in the Midwest or whatever. But the price of living is so high. It's astronomical. Like, <laughs> give these people as much money as they want. I'm sorry. Like, and I think more or less what they're asking for is $5 added onto their pay per hour. And then a, um, $3 an hour annual increase across two years. Um, along with healthcare benefits, a pension, a policy against the use of E-Verify, the federal system used to check work eligibility based on immigration status and safer workloads, among other conditions. Uh, also, another thing I haven't mentioned too is like there is, you know, a constant issue of staffing, uh, especially because people know it's like I can't work at that pay, and it's not it's not a living. Um, at the end of the day, that makes it harder for the people who are working, and they're stuck in situations where they're doing this hotel work where they're managing like rooms that they can only hit once a day. And haven't been hit before they got there. And it's a mess. Like, they can't properly clean it. Yet, their bosses are telling them, you got to do the most. You got to do the best you can. And it's like, okay, I'll try. But it's like, once again, you were not paying me enough to do this shit. It, it is a constant issue. Um, and I definitely feel like higher wages are going to make that at least an easier thing to staff. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm trying to get, okay, yeah. The coordinated bargaining group a coalition representing 44 hotels in Los Angeles and Orange Counties filed an unfair labor practice charge against the union the day the contracts expired. Uh, let's see here. Um, the coalition argued that the union failed to bargain in good faith by striking and failing to respond to a counteroffer from the coalition. Keith Grossman, God, what a fucking name. You were born for it. You were born for it, baby. A spokesperson for the group said in a statement, the counteroffer included wage increases of $6.25 per hour and increases of $1.50 per hour towards healthcare benefits over four years. Now, maybe that sounds to you like they're giving them actually a chip up. You ask for $5 and we're giving you $6.25. We're giving you more money. But that is a an initial raise, which is they ask for 5 But that $3 an hour is very important. 
Not to mention, oh, the little bit of a dollar fifty per hour towards healthcare benefits. That's a sprinkling. Motherfucker, you should already be adding that in. What do you mean? Like, that is not a fair concession at all. Um, I know we're in the weeds here, but I, I do want to keep covering this. There's more to talk about. Uh, the coalition also criticized the union's support for a 7% tax fee on guests of unionized hotels and a proposed ballot measure that would rent rooms to unhoused people. If the union really wanted an agreement to help the employees, it would have dropped these issues long ago instead of taking employees out on a strike over them, Grossman said in a statement. This, that made my blood boil because at the end of the day, what they are fighting for is an important issue. Like the, we've talked about the homeless issue, like we've talked about that here. The idea that they're saying, look, like we want a situation these hotels have rooms. You have junk fees all the fucking time. You throw them in on everything. So yeah, we want that added on so that that way it does at least a counterbalance and incentivize you to do to rent rooms unhoused people. But they don't want to do that because they're not going to make more money that way. And they're mad that they're going to get taxed for that. Like, And it's like, stop crying. Stop crying. You can take the hit on the chin. Just fucking stop crying. The idea that you're going to try to villainize the union for that shit, that's the kind of shit that makes me so goddamn mad because I've heard talking points like that from from people, from like little friends sometimes. And it and it's like, whoo, that's it, it. It breaks my heart. It fucking breaks my heart because that shit does affect people. People eat this kind of shit up. Like, they make it sound like, ooh, ooga booga union. And it's like, no. <laughs> like, they are do these, these, this is for the good. Um, and I'm sure if you ask people who are striking, they understand why they are doing that shit. They're not doing that in the dark, uneducated. It, 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 it really fucking gets my goddamn goat. Um, all right. Now we got one more thing to cover. Let me, uh, de stress. And then it's more union talk. <laughs> All right, from CNBC, actors union will join writers on strike, shutting down Hollywood, Hollywood, you know, we're talking about the Hollywood. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to get that out of my system. Um, Hollywood actors are officially headed to the picket line, unable to reach a deal with producers Members of the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, will join up with more than 11,000 already striking film and television writers starting at midnight. Now, I will say it was already super dope to see actors like on the picket line. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, that one got away from me. Um, you know, during the writer strike, that's been going on since May. It's still a thing, hasn't fucking stopped, but um, I believe, um, yeah, starting midnight, you know, the shit's on. 
the failed negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or the AMPTP, uh, means film and television productions featuring actors will immediately halt, essentially, essentially shutting down Hollywood. It'll be the first tandem strike in the industry since 1960. Groovy, baby. Um, we are we are the victims here," said Fran Fran Drescher, president of the Actors Union. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us and are treating us. It's disgusting. Shame on them. And I fucking agree. Uh, also, it was super cool to immediately see a reaction from the, uh, I'm sorry, the actors of Oppenheimer. Actors like um, like left the uh, film's London premiere on Thursday. Uh, though director Christopher Nolan did stay and he told uh, the cast that they went off to the picket lines. Apparently the directors have already like signed an agreement but it, it does kind of make sense in that way because there's been newer developments, especially as of this year with the um, AI thing, which I kind of want to get to. We're not quite there yet. But um, I mean, this is big news. I can understand that maybe once again how there's a certain kind of spin or just it's kind of even baked in by some people um, where when you see a celebrity, you see someone who's who you think makes a lot of fucking money and you go, well, why should I care? They make so much money. Why? Like, that doesn't, like, what they're crying about, they should be fine. They should take what's given. It's a lot. But really, it is not. Like, you always have to remember the scale. You always have to remember that you are being paid for your work. Like, it is important that you are compensated fairly. It is important that... And it's not just in the initial, it is the residuals. There's so much shit that is behind the scenes that I've learned about that I'm like, yo, like residuals, royalties, all that shit is so important. And in so many ways, like these companies are trying to just skip the bill here. They do not want to pay. And I'm happy to see that there's going to be solidarity with the writers and the actors and producers, you know, like saying, hey, we deserve our fair pay. And I'm with it because that is the only way that it works for all of us. I'll say it once. I'll say it a million times that like if a union is doing better, jobs around said union are going to get better. They just have to because inevitably people go, well, I could just go to a union job and get paid. Fuck this job. They have to at least meet in the middle with at least a treat package and at least some kind of money to make it work. So I'm pro union. I'm shouting that shit up from the fucking rooftops every goddamn time I can. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's definitely more here I wanted to cover. Um, heading into the negotiations last month, Hollywood performers were looking to improve wages, working conditions, and health and pension benefits, as well as create guardrails for the use of artificial intelligence in future television and film productions. Additionally, the union is seeking more transparency from streaming services about viewership so that the residual payments can be made equitable to that seen on linear, linear TV. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too, said Fran Drescher. Uh, and I totally agree. 
you know, look, dude, if you've made the nanny mad, you made me mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um, but let's see here. The AMPTP responded to the strike declaration by issuing a statement that it presented a deal that offered historic pay and residual increases, substantially higher caps on pension and health contributions, addition protections, shortened series option periods, and and a groundbreaking AI proposal that protects actors' digital likenesses. Um, And it blamed the SAG-AFTRA for stall talks. Uh, Essentially, it's not us, it's you. Um, But um, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, uh, who um, is a national executive director and chief negotiator for SAG-AFTRA, dismissed the AMPTP claims, especially when it came to its AI proposal. In that groundbreaking AI proposal, they proposed that our background performers should be able to be scanned, get paid for one day's pay, and their company should own that scan, their image, their likeness, and should be able to use it for the rest of eternity in any project they want with no consent and no compensation. So if you think that's a groundbreaking proposal, I suggest you think again. Cook, like, like, <laughs> it's crazy the shit that they expect to get away with here. It is very frustrating. It is very frustrating. And do not get me wrong. The AI conversation, as I like to call it, algorithm 2.0, because that's essentially what the discourse has just devolved or evolved into, depending on how you want to call it. It's, it's very frustrating and annoying to me because... You have people who complain and they're very upset and they feel like art, art, artistic blah, blah, blah is stifled. I feel like it's a very heady conversation, but I understand it. At the end of the day, you're an artist or what have you. You want to like have real work. You want to see real work. There's a difference between what an AI can generate and what you, an artist, can generate, like a human being. I get that. But I also do see practicalities in AI, and I don't want to get in the whole weeds of that. At the end of the day, I just think it's like, it's just computer shit. It's just technology. Like, it is going to, like, people are always going to expand upon it, and it is always going to get used for the most capitalistic, gross bullshit. Always. And sometimes that will have at least a nuanced thing, but more times than not, it's just going to be derivative bullshit. Um, I think the secret invasion credits intro that marvel tried to put out is like a great example it looks so fucking bad it looks so shitty but it's a thing they tried it (laughs) it's something you can use on the cheap um but yeah i I think it's always going to have a bad cause and effect but at the same time you you can't sit here and bitch and whine about it because i i I don't want to hear that either (laughs) um that being said you should be compensated properly for it you know what i mean like, if they're going to use your likeness, then guess what, motherfucker? You got to pay residuals for that. Just like I, just like you put me on the track, motherfucker. That cameo is mine. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no, no, no. We want to own that outright for free. For free? Nah, baby. I don't like that. So I think the AMPTP is tripping when they say they are breaking ground here. You are just merely putting the lowest bid you can and saying, yep, we opened the door here. Real revolutionary. All right. Last part of the pie I wanted to talk about here. Um, Bob motherfucking Iger, because he sat down um, Thursday morning ahead of the SAG after announcement 
If you're not familiar with Bob Iger, CEO, current, um, I like to call him helmsman of Disney, of Divney, Divney, Disney, sorry. Um, and man, I gotta say, I think Bob Iger is a classico piece of shit CEO, but in that regard, he has like top stats doing what he does. Like, he's one of those guys that like, he sells it very well. He sells the shtick very goddamn well. And I will say I find him impressive in the whole Disney versus DeSantis situation. I've seen, you know, the former guy, uh, Bob Chapek, his predecessor, protege, whatever, who just couldn't hack it. And seeing him, it's like, okay, I see it. This is the Iron Fist. I get it. Like, you're doing you're doing well, whatever. But hearing him just rail against um, the idea that writers, because essentially that's more or less what he was making the conversation about. Um, but um, we wanted to do the same thing. I'm going to read his, his quote from this little fireside chat he had with some guy um, from CNBC. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers. And we, we'd we like to do the same thing with the actors. Okay, I guess he, he's talking about both here. Uh, there's a level of expectation that they have that's just not realistic. And they're adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. So essentially what he's saying here is that these writers, these actors, they what they want is just not practical. It's not realistic to the, the problems that we have. He also goes on to say that, like, we're still not fully back yet from coronavirus, yet that's kind of funny because you want the numbers like you're back and you're moving like you're back, yet you're using that as an excuse here. And he's saying that, like, oh, this is happening at the worst time in the world. Oh, tear, tear. Damn, damn, Bob. You, sh- fuck you, man. Like, it's it's just it's just such bullshit to me. Um, it will have a very, very damaging effect on the whole business. And unfortunately, there's a huge collateral damage to the industry, to people who are, you know, support services. I could go on and on. It will affect the economy of different regions, even because of the sheer size of the business. It's a shame. It's really a shame. <coughs> yeah, just keep double tapping, you fucking prick. Um, boo this man. Tomato fucking tomato. Once again, great helmsman. <laughs> um, I, I, I look forward to your war against DeSantis, but um, fuck you, dude. Like, at the end of the day, this man and Bob Zaslav, if you put their money together, you could solve the problem that you know, fucking SAG and the Writers Guild is having. You know what I mean? You could put the money up and they'd be they'd be fine. But it's like, nah, we would rather spend our money fighting you motherfuckers. Also, one last thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm really dragging the shit out. I'm sorry. But um, it has kind of been like a behind the scenes thing that's leaked that like essentially the powers that be wouldn't mind if the writers just fucking go broke. They don't care if they strike until they literally lose their homes. And then what? You'll come back then, won't you? We are willing to wait that long. And they've denied that in public. But at the end of the day, if that's a mentality here, that's the that's the worst kind of shit, man. That's that's disgusting. That's that's truly disturbing. That's a real fucking shame. 
So that's all I got. Um, I'll try to make the show quick. I got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaiah News. Uh, shout your name on the podcast, newsy shit. You know the deal. Uh, Isaiah News 1 at gmail.com. Follow me on all the socials. Please do all the rating. Please subscribe to me on all the things. Thumbs up. Top stars. Please, please, please. Hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you so goddamn much. Bye-bye. Mwah. <laughs>